Word of mouth advertising has been and always will be the very best way to get clients. Hi, I'm Maddie Conrad. I'm Tabitha Coffey. Hi, I'm Mustafa Afsi. I'm Andrew Desher. Hi, my name is Kelly O'Leary, and you are listening to The Hair Game Podcast. Hey, listener, I'm Eric Taylor. Announcement, Salon Republic is coming to the Bay Area in California with a new salon in Sunnyvale opening this summer. If you live in the area or know anybody who lives in the area, we're setting up tours now. Go to salonrepublic.com or hit the link in my bio for more details. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button next to the Hair Game Podcast logo. That will notify you when a new episode drops, and you can even have the new episode download automatically, so it's ready for you to listen whenever, wherever. Subscribing also lets iTunes know that you love our content, which makes it easier for you to find us in searches and for others to find us who might like our podcast. That's what happens when you hit subscribe. All right, pod loot giveaway time. This is a $150 Amazon gift card. Who doesn't want a free $150 Amazon gift card? All right, the winner is Lana B. Star. Lana B. Star, DM me at the Hair Game Podcast on Instagram. At the end of the show, I'll tell you what we'll give away next week and how you can win it. Now to the episode. This one is from a panel that we did at ISSC in Long Beach in the Hairbrain Room. It begins with a short introduction from Gordon Miller, the CEO, Chief Engagement Officer of Hairbrain, where we talk about the beginnings of our podcasts. Now, this is the exciting part where I won't get flustered, <laughs> and that is to introduce to you our friend Eric Taylor. He's somebody I've gotten to know really well in the last few years. He is the founder and do you use the title CEO? Founder. Yeah, the- I am technically the CEO, but I, it's just so formal to say that. I, I'm almost uncomfortable saying it. Well, we're both CEOs, and we're yes. both very but uncomfortable. You have a cooler version of CEO. <laughs> well, we call it Chief Engagement Officer, um, but I think our day-to-day is somewhat similar in, in having some responsibility and trying to figure out what to do with the business. Yes. <laughs> so Eric, um, by way of introduction, again, co-founder, CEO, of Salon Republic, and I kind of credit Eric with changing the game when it comes to salon suites in the industry. He's one of the early players in this space. When people talk to me about the transition that we see happening in the industry, there's nobody in my estimation who does that segment of the industry better than Eric. He has just completely upped what that part of the industry looks and feels like, and I know many of the, the tenants, what do you call them? Not tenants, that's a bad... We just call them beauty professionals. Beauty professionals who have their, and I call them salons, because I think that's what they are. Yeah, um, studios. In your facility. And um, again, you've you've changed the game. Thank you. So welcome to our event today. Thank you. So so we want to take just a couple minutes before Eric brings his guests on and and talk about podcasting. We both have a passion for it. I remember when you weren't doing it. Mm -hmm. And again, you've kind of helped change that game as well. So talk about why you started podcasting. You were first. So thank you. You were definitely first. Um, And I'm sorry, what was the question? (laughs) Why? why? I'm used to asking the questions, not answering the questions. Why podcasting? Why did you jump in? So podcasting for me, it... The initial idea of, of the, the podcasting, it, it really started before the, the podcast platform came into, the, into my mind. It started with just the general goal of taking really good conversations that I was having with some of our uh, 
some of, our, some of our hairstylists. We have a lot of high-profile hairstylists in, in Salon Republic as we've been growing, and it was taking some of these conversations that were really valuable that I was having with them in their studio as they're telling me about all these really cool things, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really cool. Um, I wish everybody could hear about this. And then I would walk down the hall, and I'd be like, hey, I was just talking to so-and-so, and did you know that this is happening? Did you? No, I didn't know that at all. Okay, so how can I make that a scalable uh, conversation. And initially, I was even thinking I would take my phone and I would very awkwardly record my friend, you know, hairstylist in his studio as he's telling me these um, uh, candid conversations. And that uh, obviously was not gonna make sense. So uh, right about that time, a friend told me about um, uh, how I built this which is, I think, an NPR podcast uh, for you know, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And I got addicted immediately. And I thought, uh, this would be the perfect uh, platform to use. And so I did a little research and recognized that it's like virtually free to do, like zero barrier to entry, which is why there are so many of them. And uh, we just started. Uh, I want to say the first episode that we did was, um, well, I tried to do an episode and it was a total crash and burn. It, it was at uh, Craft Lookbook uh, years ago, Dre's here somewhere, and Dre, Dre stepped out. Anyway, um, but it was, at, it was at Dre's hair party many years ago in Hollywood and I, I had bought a little lavalier microphone for $7 at uh, Best Buy on the way to the venue and I plugged it into my phone and I took a comb uh, Yeah, and I, I taped the lavalier microphone to my comb and then that was my microphone Is that still on YouTube because it was on YouTube for a while? I think it is. I don't think we take anything <laughs> down from it's YouTube. It's worth going Donovan's back. Donovan's like, to no, see we this. don't. <laughs> it's like it's worth going back. It it's hilarious. There was also a lot of weed. It had nothing to do with you, but there was also a lot of weed happening. Weed <laughs> was the fuel of the day for sure, not for me. But uh, um, so I interviewed Andrew and uh, many other people that day. But it was it was the interviews were not good because they weren't prepared. I wasn't prepared. You know, the, my phone was falling. You couldn't hear anything because of the, the um, techno music in the background. So I got uh, Andrew to agree to drive from Corona to Beverly Hills, where um, I got a proper episode. That was our first episode. And you mean Andrew does hair? And, sorry, Andrew does hair. Um, and that was about two and a half years ago now. We dropped that episode, and I want to say three weeks went by, and it's like, oh shit, I need to do another episode, don't I? Okay, you know, let's figure it out. And then uh, at a certain point, I think in the fall of 2017, uh, I think I just kind of committed to doing it. And since then, we've been, you know, very regular, consistent every week, every Monday. And um, it is, it's become a responsibility and a duty, and you know, we've built a community around it, which is probably you know, the, the best part of it for me. Um, I now know lots of people that I didn't know before from all over the world, which is just spectacular, and I don't mind spending the time DMing with them. Um, it, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, so that, that's kind of the short version of the story. Well, and, and I first started podcasting in a former life was when I was the publisher of American Salon. So I've been doing it for about five years. And when Eric, who I got to know before he became a podcaster, 
um, first started thinking and talking about doing it, I'm fairly competitive, and we'd already launched our Harebrained Conversations podcast, and others were starting to get in the space, and I was like, damn, it's Eric Taylor. It's coming into the podcast space. This, is, this is, doesn't feel right competitively. And then you put up the, the, the video with the comb, and I immediately felt better. Um, and, then, and then fast forward another you know, three or six months, and he was killing it. And what I have to say to all of you about podcasts, um, and, and specifically, I would say this is true of what Eric is doing, it's an amazing educational vehicle, and I think we get enough feedback, or each of us, you know, from our audiences to know how powerful this medium can be. And Eric's as good as it gets in the beauty industry in doing it. He's got so much great education, such a great back library of stuff. Um, and he is a formidable competitor in the, in the podcast space. Um, I think a lot, of the, a lot of you all who like podcasts are listening to all the podcasts that are out there. And we've got our own little podcast community. I mean, we've got six podcasters who are in this room over two days. And that's because Hairbrain respects and appreciates so much what they're doing. And we don't think of it as competitive. We think together we're kind of hopefully introducing a lot more people to audio form education. And it's, again, really powerful. And we're, we're all, I think, excited together to bring these stories to you. So I'm going to step away and let Eric start his podcast episode. And again, we thank you for being here, Eric. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, everyone. All right, so this talk is all about technology. And uh, we've done something similar to this talk before. Patricia was on that panel. Um, in San Francisco, and it was super, super great. Um, the hairdressers loved the talk and had lots of questions. Basically, the goal here is to talk about as many aspects of technology that can help you behind the chair as possible. Because the way I see it, the, the landscape of options out there has gotten enormous. It's almost hard to get your mind around all the different things. So uh, that's what we're going to endeavor to cover today. So we're going to be working through the different types of technology relatively quickly um, in order to get to them all. Okay, There's going to be some that we're going to spend a little bit more time on because our panelists are bona fide experts in these uh, sorts of topics. In general, the greatest thing about technology is the fact that it changes every day. And it gets better, exponentially better, every day. And it gets cheaper every day, which makes it even better, right? Everything else in our economy gets more expensive. Rent gets more expensive. Milk gets more expensive. Almond milk. Nobody drinks normal milk anymore. <laughs> but it gets more expensive. Oh, you do? You drink? OK, well, there you go. Oh my gosh, we have milk drinkers on the panel. OK. Um, everything gets more expensive, except technology. And in, in some cases, technology starts extremely expensive and then goes all the way down to free. Um, which is amazing. I remember when uh, we built our first website for Salon Republic in, I, I want to say it was 2000 or so, we spent about $20,000 on that website, and it was a piece of shit. It was a horrible website. It didn't work well. It, you couldn't even read some of the words just because, who knows. I had to hire somebody to do it for me. It took months. And the last website that we built cost $4,000, and it was, it's many times more powerful. So uh, this, is, this is kind of the way that things go. Another example of this is with the Alexa briefing that we launched maybe a year or so ago. We 
looked for an easy way to do an Alexa briefing, couldn't find one. We reached out to a programmer. The programmer said $2,000 to do an Alexa briefing. We said, okay, that's kind of expensive, but you know, we'll do it. In, in the month that it took him to, do the Alexa, to program the Alexa briefing, three services had come out online that were like 10 bucks a month. So that's how fast technology changes, okay? So <laughs> I, I'm making the entire topic hard to even talk about because um, now we're endeavoring to talk about this fast-moving um, sort of landscape. Um, with websites, it's gotten so easy. You can do your own website now. Wix.com, Squarespace, Shopify, Volusion, SquareUp, and many other sites are out there. So for $10 a month, sometimes if you want e-commerce, $100 a month for a website that 20 years ago would cost you a million dollars. Okay, so from the standpoint of empowering you guys with your businesses behind the chair, this is just invaluable stuff. Now is time for each of you to introduce yourselves. So we'll start with me. Yes. I am Patricia Nicole, also known as Painted Hair, and I'm happy to be here, and thank you so much for having me. So Of course. Thank you. <laughs> My name is Greg Daly. Um, I've got a bunch of Instagram accounts. We kind of fell into the Instagram video account genre a few years ago, style artists, hair.video and hair.videos. Got a couple million followers each, and that's mostly why I'm here. So <laughs> He's being modest. He has 17 million total. Whoa. <laughs> And yes, he reposts uh, Patricia painted hair. <laughs> and this is the first time they've met, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> um, I'm Milady Garcia. I am from Color by Milady. I have my own studio. I just moved to Salam Republic, which I loved. I've been following Eric for a couple of years now, and uh, I, I had to come home now, finally. I feel like I'm home. Um, I'm going to talk about how it is to navigate through Yelp mainly. Um, my success behind the chair has been through that, and I'm going to give some tips and what to do and not to do, and, and hopefully you take some of that and make it a good experience. So, And, and I'm just vouching for Milady. Her business is so good. I'm so honored that she came to Salon Republic, and that's why I, I have her here today, because she's experienced a lot of this technology, and she uses it on a daily basis. And Gordon from Hairbrain. Can I, add, can I, can I say something, though? Because I'm course. so excited. Um, I did classes for years. I'm not doing as often anymore on best practices on social. And for years, I said one thing at the beginning of every class, which is, if you haven't mastered Yelp, please leave the class and come back next year after you have, because Yelp is that important and powerful. So I'm so excited. Yes. OK, let's start with booking apps. We've all seen the booking apps. Booking apps have become pervasive. When I was doing research on the booking apps, there's hundreds. There's literally hundreds. Maybe two years ago, there were 20. Okay, so the big ones are StyleSeat, Vagaro, Schedulicity, Schedulista, Booker, which is now owned by MindBody, Salon Iris, Booksy, Schedule, AppointFix, MyTime, Acuity, Square, Setmore, and I've got about 30 others named here, and I'm not going to put you through it, but there's, there's a ton of them. The more sophisticated ones are now incorporating functionality like merchant processing, okay? So now it's not just booking, but now it's merchant processing in involved as well, which is, which is really, really great. 
And Milady, why don't you tell us about what, what you use, what your experience is, you know, how you did the research on it, and why you chose what you chose. Right. So I've been doing here for a while. So I go back to, you know, put it on paper, the books, you know, we all used to that, right? And then I told myself, if you want to get with it, you got to get online. At first, it was really hard. Rosie here, who works with me, she went through all the bumps on the road. And we decided to, for free, a couple of years ago, start with Style Seat. I don't know if you guys have it. Um, and it was good. A lot of like growing has happened, a lot of kinks on the website. It will freeze, it would do this. But um, I decided to stay with it, you know, to keep it up. Um, and my clients book online somewhat, and hopefully if we get into that, I don't want to get too much into details, but uh, the book online, and then I have the freedom to be home and be a mom. So that kind of helps me. Um, a lot of the times, if you're busy, you know, you ring, I mean, your phone is nonstop texting, and I just can't keep up. After a while, I just lose my mind. So it's nice that they can go online and do that. Um, they find me online. Um, I do not do the pay. It's, um, I like to have one pay source, two, and that's it. I have a bookkeeper, and she's yelling at me constantly. She's like, okay, two places, please. But a lot of my um, coworkers do, and they love to be able to pay through the same booking site. So for them, it's really important. Um, pluses and minus um, saves me time as a hairdresser. Um, the minus that I have found is the more we do out there um, in, you know, uh, in, in an app like that, the more information you lose. For example, I'm going to tell you that um, some of the sites after my clients no longer come to me, they send emails f to go to other stylists. I don't love that, but I have found in the past that even clients that are already coming to me, that maybe they haven't come in six months if you do balayages, sometimes they don't come twice a year. Some of these apps will send emails to those clients and say, hey, why don't you go to this other stylist? I'm not okay with that. But you have to take it as you go and find out, you know what, how good are you as a stylist? And your clients will follow you uh, and be loyal to you. So Style C, I use right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue with it. I'm, you know, there's so many apps growing. Like he said, technology changes every single day. I'm always on the lookout to see what else is out there. So that's my experience with Style C. So you're saying that that your client's personal information is owned by StyleSeat. That's and right. And so that they use it. They use it. They use it, and they use it a lot. And I, when we, Eric and I spoke a couple of days ago about this podcast, I did um, a research on this topic uh, among other hairdressers, and uh, I was stunned by the response in the comments. I had over 100 hairdressers respond online in a group how they felt about this. And it was kind of like something that we had to pay attention because is I don't know, I don't feel okay for my clients to be given other information while they're my clients. But it is, when you go and use those sites, you know, you have to know that while you're putting out there, information you're putting out there. But again, I go back to what kind of hairstylist you are and your clients will come back to you. If they love you, you do a good work, you don't have to worry about those things. Depends what you feel like, you know, it's okay with you, but um, bad, yeah, and, bad little, and goods, right? Yeah, it's a little creepy. Yeah. Especially since you're paying for it, right? A lot. I a mean, lot. what are you paying every month? I'm paying month? $35 a month. Okay. So, I mean, it helps me. There are other things they do that other sites are doing right now. For example, um, not too long ago, a uh, couple months ago, I got an email saying, hey, this client wants to pay more for their appointment. 
I was like, uh, yes, please send them my way. My own client wanted to get in for Christmas, and she was willing to pay more for that appointment. So I, I was definitely looking at that. I didn't have room, though. <laughs> so that was a problem, right? Um, but they keep a percentage of that appointment to themselves, not you. So you have to look at that. What's the amount to that? Is that something that you are like, I, I just found out about that. And I, I was, I was kind of, I didn't, I mean, if you contact the client yourself, no. But if you book them through a style C and they have the credit card there, they can keep a percentage. So I was a little, I was a little contemplated about that. I wanted to find out about that more. So please let me know. Um, but there's a lot of things to learn. And every day they're changing. Style C has gone from here to there. And the changes have been a lot. In the podcast world, that is, she, she held her hand low and then she held her hand high, which means yeah. that they've gotten better. Right. Gordon, you look like you want to opine maybe on that. Just, well, just a fast one because, you know, it really ties to what you were saying about the cost of everything going down. And like the biggest trend in digital or one of the very biggest trends in digital is around data. And one of the reasons the cost is going down is they're collecting and selling the data. There, there is no free lunch. So anything you see for free, you got to go, well, what is their strategy? And selling data is like top of the list. And many of these platforms that we all engage with, they're doing that. Right. Normally, when, before you, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, I think my voice can just cross over the room. But normally what happens is there's a disclaimer before you even, so it's so quick that they just throw it in there that you don't even realize that this is what you're agreeing to. So that's that's like the catch, that it's like, oh, you want to sign up for this service? It's X amount of dollars. Pretty good, right? Well, you know, so, so they're forewarning you, but they're not like being in your face about it. So it's sneaky. Nobody sure. reads the terms. I mean, no, I mean, it's all the way at the, the bottom, three pages deep, you know, so... Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think this is especially true for the companies that have been around for a number of years. The newer companies, you know, in their business models, they have, okay, we're going to lose money for three or four years to gain market share. But once you've been out there for a number of years and, you know, you've gone public, et cetera, all of a sudden they want to start monetizing. And that's when a lot of that stuff happens. Thanks for mentioning that. Thanks for mentioning that. Milady, before we move on from booking apps, the functionality, what is, when somebody's going out and shopping, what should they be looking for? I know that a lot of people have mentioned, you know, double booking, can I double book? You know, how much customization, flexibility? Okay, so Square, um, if you guys use it already, they have come up with appointments, right? The, where you see the app for the appointments. And Rosie, for example, she uses it right now. Um, uh, it's free. Great, right? Um, Square is nice, keeps all the clients' information. You can, uh, when they enter their phone number, you already know how much they're paying. Um, my bookkeeper loves it because everything is there, right? Uh, and now that they have the appointments, it's easier to send the receipts and, and all that. But I called them before this podcast, and um, Square did not do double booking online. That's a problem for me. I, I, I have three to four clients going at the same time. So I have to be able to leave those gap times uh, when I go online to, for them to book appropriately. Um, three months from now, they say that they're going to come out with a double booking. That's going to change the game. Because if it's for free, we already use it for charging clients. And now the appointments, you can double book. That's going to change the game. So I am looking into that right now. So I'm and very excited. And you would excited. drop style seat. If oh yeah, I'm up. not married to anyone, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not married to anyone right now, so. Oh, okay, so let's move on to salon management systems. These are basically these um, full platform, software platforms for managing salons with multiple chairs, a front desk, et cetera, traditional salons. And there's a lot of them. You know, Forest, uh, Mevo2, Salon Iris, STX, Rosie, Boulevard, et cetera. Um, they've gotten really great from what I'm told. I don't deal with them. Um, but I, I'm, I understand that they're amazing. They can do point of sale, inventory, they can uh, manage your uh, manager staff and all that. So that's really empowering the traditional salon. And they're very reasonably priced. I mean, I, I'm seeing prices like $100 a month, you know, for a five person salon. That's just amazing. But they're probably selling data, yes. Yeah, I just talked to, I just talked to someone about Rosie. I, I know okay. they're here, so after I finish here, I'm going to go talk to them. I heard that they're, um, they're, they can give you a percentage lower than Square. So oh. I'm, I was very happy about that. And the good thing, probably you guys don't do this, but sometimes I run into problems with style and I feel like I cannot call them. It's only by email them. And um, I, that makes me a little nervous when I run into hiccups. But Rosie, they answer the phone. So okay. if you need a problem right then, they will answer the phone. That's important for, I don't know. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. It's worth it, you know, extra money maybe to some people. All right, let's go to on-demand service apps. Do you guys remember these? Like uh, Glam Squad, Priv, Soothe, you know, there's a whole host of them. Uh, Vincette, Swivel, Dream Dry, Be Glammed, Style Be, Stylisted, Stylisted maybe? Uh, it's a little awkward. The, the Glam app, there, there's a number of them and several more. Most of these are simply for blow dries or makeup or style in your house. This is a situation where it's, it's basically like the Uber for hair services, right? Um, but there's a limited ability to do hair services in somebody's home because it's not legal according to the state, right? But uh, blow dries and various things are. <laughs> From 2015 to 2017, professional investors and even in NBC Universal got into this uh, realm big time. And NBC Universal paid tons of money for one of these apps, thinking that they were going to crush the salon industry. It, at least you know, you know, make irrelevant actual locations where people go and get their hair done. <clears throat> but most of these apps have struggled to get traction and keep customers and hairstylists. Women's Wear Daily wrote last year that, try as they might, apps haven't killed the beauty salon. People thought this industry would shift completely online and you would have this incredible on-demand labor force. But in reality, there's only a small segment of customers that will go for that level of convenience when it's not an experience. For most people, a blowout is a luxury. It's a treat and not a regular occurrence. So the idea of adding convenience to it isn't a huge appeal. Now. Um, from the perspective of the beauty professional providing the service, quote, lack of a physical salon space sometimes means trekking all over the city to get from one appointment to the next, ultimately limiting the number of appointments one can take in a day. The key learning has been that online or mobile first doesn't always equate to building a seamless business or profitability, which nobody has yet to crack the code on. Has anyone had any experience, experiences with any of these? A lot of my clients use them. 
a lot of my clients live in Calabasas and they like people to go over their house and blow dry their hair. I'm very happy to have those companies there because I do not want to do that. So they do that. Um, they get their hair done and their makeup and they love it. Um, but it's not for everyone. Right. And I would add that this is more of an opinion, but just if you think about consumers, I think a block could be the perception of having someone come into your home. Do you have the kind of home you want to invite those people into? Do you have the kind of bathroom or whatever it is? Like I, I have a housekeeper, and by the way, I think every adult should have a housekeeper. So put it, your, put it on your bucket list. <laughs> Very she, luxurious. Yeah, she come, and she comes in just once a month. Um, I clean my house before my house cleaner comes over because I'm that guy. I get the Swifter out, and, but I think that is a block for a lot of people on these apps. Yeah. I think another issue that I've heard is that you can't determine which service provider, comes, which hairdresser comes to your house, right? I, a lot of these things are, even a blow dry is not really a commodity. I mean, there's some people who are really good at it, and there's a lot of people who suck at it. And if you get somebody who sucks at it, then that's going to make you not trust the app, and you're not going to use it again. I think that's been one of the big big issues here. But of course, you know, don't, don't count out the general concept. Somebody could make it work. But as of yet, not. Not. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Amazon and online retail. Actually, I should say online retail and then in parentheses, Amazon. All right, so this has been a tough one in our industry because so many um, salon-only brands can now be purchased on Amazon, like Orbe, Davinus, Unite. I mean, how many years and decades have we gone hearing about how these brands are for the professional only, right? Only to sell around the professional to the client on Amazon. It's been frustrating for a lot of people. Amazon has developed a, an affiliate relationship uh, sort of a situation, and um, they're trying to encourage people, hairdressers, to promote their e-commerce options um, for beauty. Uh, Greg, can you weigh in on some of this? Because I know you know a lot about Amazon affiliates. Yeah, so Amazon affiliates, um, I haven't found specifically about how they're paying um, for the professional line with Amazon. But Amazon, I'll get into that in a sec. Yeah. Amazon, it's a good way. Your clients are going to buy their products online. That's kind of, they don't want to come into your salon and buy products a lot of times. Not everybody does. And I think the idea of fighting that is kind of as unpopular as it might be. That's, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle, and it's going to be really hard. We're still fighting. That's fine. It's fine We're to fight, but... <laughs> But a lot of these products, if you're gonna, if your client's gonna recommend, like you're, like I love Orbe, they're, you're gonna buy Orbe, um, they're gonna buy it from you maybe every time they come into the salon. But the in between times, they not might not buy from you. And Amazon affiliates is a good way to get at least. Um, I looked it up. The beauty professionals get six percent of the sale. It's a lot less than fifty percent, but it's a lot more than zero. But the average, and, the average professional doesn't get 50%. The average professional who works in a salon is getting a very small percentage. That's, that's and, a very good point. A whole nother, that's, a, that's a deeper conversation than that's this. A, wait, that's hold on. You're talking point. about in a commission situation where their Absolutely. client buys and they get 10% yeah. of the total revenue. Yeah. And the majority of retail sales remain in commission salons because most who go independent are not taking retail with them. And I'm sure you have a lot more information in your Some do your, a great job. Some are horrible. Exactly. And, and, retail statistically, and retail statistically in the industry is only almost irrelevant. So in other words, of all the money that comes through the professional beauty industry, less than 6% of it is in retail sales. 
Um, but if you look at salons that are killing in retail, they're doing 20 to as much as 30%. So statistically, and this is one of the biggest challenges we have, you know, is that we're, we do not have a history of successfully selling retail and salons, and that is opening the door for these upper op other opportunities. And the last thing I'll say, I'll shut up, is less than 15% of retail sales are happening online generally, and even a much smaller number is happening on the professional side. But nothing but growth opportunity. Like, I'm, I love Amazon, but. Yeah. I buy everything on Amazon. <laughs> Which is why Ulta's been doing so well. I, I read that Ulta is the best performing stock in the, like the last 10 years. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Better than Apple, better than Google, and better than Amazon, it's Ulta. On a percentage basis. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. For, uh, from, from a stock price yeah. then to a stock price now, yeah. But they continue to grow, and, uh, and this is partially why, but of course we continue to fight it. On, on the Amazon front, if, you're, if you are recommending products that you're finding your clients buying on Amazon, one thing you could do to capture that is create like a little card that you give to them with, with links to buy it from Amazon. You get commission from everything they buy. You get that 6% beauty plus anything else they check out within their cart in the next 24 hours. So I, I do it for a couple of things. And, you know, they're like $5, 10 $15 products. But I had one person buy a $2,000 laptop, and I got like $60, $60 off of it. So that happens. Like, people check out with more than just the, you know, the shampoo or whatever that you're sending them home with. So that could be a way to, like, to, to fight it. Like, I mean, you're trying to capture some of it that you know you're going to lose anyway, I guess. Right. <laughs> so. Right. So it's Salon Republic, and, and, and I try not to ever make these an ad for us, but one way that we try to fight it is that we have beauty supplies in our salons, and we sell you know, at wholesale or less, and we try to make it as easy as possible for somebody like Milady to, you know, if you have a client coming in and you know that she needs a shampoo and you don't have it stocked in your studio, you can walk down the hall, you could buy it, and you could sell it on to your client and keep 100%. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I, I, knew, I knew you did. I do it all the time. Because you're such an overachiever. Okay, so I color correct, right? So when my clients sit in my chair, the first conversation is, is your hair clean? What kind of shampoo are you using? Do you have a buildup? Because I know I can't go on and bleach and remove color if I know the hair is not ready for me, right? So by the time they leave my appointment, 90% of the time, they have to buy a shampoo from me. So I have it now there. I'm so happy that I'm a Salon Republic. Um, I was at another place prior where I had to have my retail always stocked to make sure that I had all this stuff with me. I'm very picky about what I use since I color correct. So my clients use stuff that cannot be built up in their hair. So when they come back, I'm able to get in there and not have too much going on. Um, so I do it all the time. For me, it's easy and they know. They know that they have to get the product from me. I have a couple, a couple of times online, I, I share in my stories how one client recently came in and she used the mask. The mask was not from this country and I don't know what it had, but when I put foils on her, the foils started watering, getting puffy and the, the hair almost dissolved. Thank God I saved it. Um, and after that, all my clients were coming in and like, what shampoo can I use? <laughs> Please tell me, you know? So there really, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there and we should be educating our clients. But like you said, I don't, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of growth. And I think the stylists nowadays really need to tap into that. Yeah, we are creative. Yeah, we know what we're doing. Doing, but we have to educate our clients and we are professional. So and I think they respect us more when we have that stand, you know. Absolutely. 
All right, so Amazon announced last one more thing. On yeah, go ahead, Greg. Thing. So I have one um, one friend of mine, Platinum Giraffe. If anybody knows her on Instagram, um, she's amazing. She told me she's like, I'm horrible at selling retail. Um, I don't sell retail to anybody, but everybody who comes to my salon walks out with like all the products I recommend. And I was like, What do you mean? You said you just told me you don't sell any. She's like, I just price it all in. It's like, so you sell, you sell product to 100% of your clients. She's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I thought it sold it to zero. And I was like, That's, price it in to the service and just say, you don't, if you're my client, you don't walk out of here using products that I don't approve of. And she, she just prices it in the service. And from a sales pitch standpoint, she doesn't say I price it in the service. She's like, it's included. You right. get this, you get this, you get this. I'm an infomercial. Walk out the door and they're happier with their hair. You just gave me an idea. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Patricia, what do you do? Do you sell products to your clients? Yeah, so early on in my career, um, I was trained how to not sell, but to um, recommend exactly what your client needed. So that way, I mean, it's, it's a trust that you have with your client, you know? And when you are telling them what to use, they trust you not only with their hair, but just future appointments and things like that. So even if they leave and I've given them all the products they need, even like say midway through seeing me, they're like, hey, I ran out of this. What can I use? Can I come in and get it? So they're already trust me, trusting me as a professional to give them what they need. And so I think what happens is, is a lot of times when people leave beauty school and they'll just go out on their own, they're not really equipped with that education. So I think it's like, it's something that will hinder their, you know, their business and, their growth and so um just having the education out there i think is important and for me um i always just make sure that they have what they need and i'm explaining everything and educating them through the service yeah that's huge yeah all right so amazon announced last july that it launched the amazon professional beauty store and everybody freaked out uh, a few of the big stocks went down like um uh, BSG, who runs Cosmoprof, and a few of the others uh, went down quite a bit that day. The, the, this particular part of the Amazon store requires users to have a cosmetology license or, or a barber's or esthetician's license. And then uh, once they verify that the license is valid, stylists can create a free Amazon business account and gain access to this store. And of course, their strategy is to become a salon-centric or cosmoprof um, with their normal kind of distribution chain. Um, I checked back on this. I, I want to say that we did this original Tech Talk right after they announced this uh, uh, last July. And then I just checked back last week, and I was really surprised to see that the offering that they have is really, really bad. Right. I think they've got one color line. They've got Wella Colorproof, I think. Um, they don't even have the main Wella color lines. Uh, they don't have any others. I think they had a few shades EQ, but not even the whole line. It was super bizarre, and the pricing was closer to retail than it is wholesale. So um, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Do you know anything? What's, uh, do, you, do you know why they haven't been able to? Everything you said, and, and then some, and um, seems like they don't quite understand the industry. We are kind of a, an unusual industry to understand. There has been rumors, you know, that they will, similar to Whole Foods, that they will purchase a large distributor one day and kind of combine their online um, um, strategies with real time, which if you think about what they did with Whole Foods is interesting. But if they were to buy an existing distribution system, maybe not so bad for any of us, mm -hmm. hard to say. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the most surprising things is how little talk in the industry there's been about it. There was a little bit of flurry there for a minute, and then I haven't heard anything else, literally yeah. nothing. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's see. For salons and stylists who want to avoid retailing because you just have, you're allergic to it for some reason, <laughs> there are some other uh, ways to do it. For example, Unite has an affiliate relationship um, online, so you can put a link on your emails to your clients or on your card or whatever. Your clients can go to unite.com and they can buy whatever product you recommend right there. And of course, you get some percentage, and I don't know what that percentage is. It's probably not a lot. Um, let's see, and then uh, Salon Interactive is a new company. Um, I saw Steve Reese yesterday, the, the former uh, Modern Salon head, and he's now with uh, Salon Interactive. I was looking at them before Steve came up to me yesterday, but this is a company that allows hairdressers or salons to set up a personally branded online store that their clients can buy from, and the hairdresser or the salon gets a cut of the sale. So, you know, it's, it's mailing it in, but if you don't want to retail, then I guess this is a pretty good option. Yeah. There's, and there's another piece to that, which is they've signed with most of the independent distributors and they've signed with Salon Centric. So now what you can, will happen shortly with Salon Centric is they'll do exactly what you said through Salon Centric, but they will drop ship the products from Salon Centric to your customers and you will get your full, um, the full amount of money you would have received had you sold it in the salon. That's wow. the new model that's being rolled out. That's great. All right, let's move on to social media. Has anyone heard of social media? <laughs> All right, let's start with the, the 800-pound gorilla, Instagram. Patricia, why don't you tell us what's going on with Instagram these days? Things have been changing a little bit, yeah. and, and you're very active on it. So where's your mind on it these days? I think it's just still a great tool, still a great platform. Um, I think that if you know your audience, then you're able to deliver the content that they want to see from you, and you're still reaching a lot of people and growing on it. Um, there are, are other platforms out there now. Um, one of them is like TikTok. <laughs> are you on TikTok? Yes. Well, good for you. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and the one thing that I love about TikTok is I've been on there for two months, and I already like have 100,000 followers. And it's crazy because I enjoy it. I feel like you can be a little more personal with it. Um, and grow and you know reach new people that you may not be able to, you know, on Instagram. So I think that's great. Cool. Yeah. Greg, you know a little something about yeah, you. it. <laughs> um, I agree that Instagram is still, it's still a big deal. It's a very visual media. Yeah. Um, people go on Instagram to look at pretty things. Hair's a pretty thing. They match up really well, and that's why, that's why it's done um, so well for the industry. Um, I do think one thing is kind of interesting about like TikTok um, versus like LinkedIn and Facebook. Everybody's like, go to TikTok, you're growing fast. Facebook's dead, all of this stuff. But if you think about who the consumers are on those platforms, so the people on TikTok, they're 13 years old. They don't have money to pay you. Yeah. They don't people, have a car to get to the salon. Yeah. People... Um, but they do okay, show, that's and, a good point. And I'm not saying it's, and they will all grow up too. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's not a good thing, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the other, so Instagram's a little bit older. Facebook has a lot of money. And I was talking to one bridal stylist out of Virginia. She's pretty successful. She said, my best place to get clients is LinkedIn. She's like, the, 
professionals like the uh, um, the Instagram crowd, you know, they're younger. They don't have a lot of money. The Facebook crowd, you know, a lot of them are married or I don't know. She said it's, it's OK for her, but she gets the doctors, the lawyers, the people who pay a lot of money to have really good hair done on LinkedIn. And uh, it's a really uh, I hadn't thought of it before. I was like, whoa, that's a really good point. That's super cool. So before you pass the mic. Um, you've been reposting Patricia for years and and tell us, tell us what makes a good hair video. Why is Patricia so beloved in her community because of her hair videos and, and of course her personality. Yeah. So the thing that first drew me to Patricia's videos were, um, I'd say there's like eight types of viral videos. Um, and we won't talk about all of them, but there's kind of eight different types of viral videos. And one of them is like a satisfying post. So if you think about those, um, the cake videos where they're pouring stuff on the cake, everybody's seen them. You watch them, it's like mesmerizing. You're like, I don't know why I'm watching this. I'm just watching this. <laughs> and you watch the, like, the crinkling uh, slime videos slime. or whatever. Everybody knows those videos. So Patricia has done something really well with her videos. And uh, hers are very satisfying. Mm-hmm. She gets the hair. She has the camera just right, and she pulls slowly, the same even pace. It's very hypnotizing. And you just see all the color, and the lighting's perfect. And that right there is probably like 50% of the reason why her videos are so good. They're so simple. She doesn't edit, over-edit them. It's not rocket science to make a video for Instagram. They need to be simple. They need to be fast. Do you, like, how much editing do you do on your videos? Um, I actually, oh, thank you. (laughs) I actually, I have a team, so it's myself and my husband. So um, I basically tell him the point of view. And then he captures the clips exactly from my perspective. And then he puts them together. So it's pretty simple. I mean, if you know, you can do a little bit of research on YouTube about how to edit, cut and edit your videos and slice them up and put them together. But that... That's the, the money shot, if you will, the, yeah. the, the slow pull through. That's, that's what first attracted me. And I think I, I've posted a lot of those videos of hers. And yeah, they no. always do really well because nobody can take their eyes off of them. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So. Yeah. And, and, of course, it highlights what she does best, which is those blends, right? As Absolutely. Work down the, the hair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Milady? Okay. So uh, Instagram. I'm kind of on it, I'm kind of not. I haven't done a good job at it. And I see a lot of the people that I follow here, you, your brighter stuff is amazing. I follow you all the time and I love your work. Um, I'm behind the chair a lot. So I'm, I, again, I have four clients going at the same time. I have three kids at home um, and I need to do a better job. So this year is gonna be that, that year that I'm gonna target Instagram and go at it. There's a lot of stuff needs to be done when I get home and I'm just, I need to come back and do better work on that. I rely, most of my clients right now come from Instagram and from Yelp. And we'll, talk, we'll get into that yep. later on. Yep. Um, I utilize Facebook, but not so much about getting clients for more education purpose. But We're going to get to Facebook in a second. But LinkedIn, I'm going to jump on that as soon as I leave here. I, I, that's a great idea. My target clients are the clients that work. So um, I find my Instagram clients are young, fun. Um, you know, they're good clients, but I, I need to do a better job. So I'm going to pass on that. But this right. year is going to be my year. Hold, hold on, uh, use the mic. Okay. I will tell you though that Instagram is a lot of work. And so it don't feel badly because you haven't like been able to get into it. I, I'm dedicated to Instagram. That's my job. So that's why I'm able to pour all of myself into it and have balance. 
but if you're doing four clients a day, it, it's going to be hard. So my suggestion would be to maybe have somebody like your assistant kind of help you navigate through that. Yeah, I know. So, so, but what, what I'm trying to say is give yourself a little bit of grace because it is, it's, a, it's hard work. And so. this is a really interesting point because, because Milady, your Instagram is pretty good. Okay. Now you're saying that you're not so good at it, maybe because your following is less than a million or whatever other people on this panel. But um, your your Instagram is really good. You're showing potential clients what you can do, and you're showing that the work is very high quality, and and that may be the goal. And, and in that case, the Instagram is doing exactly what you want it to do, yeah. without you wasting time, so to right. speak, quote unquote. Right. It's efficient. Yes. Yeah, and I do get enough from it. Right yeah. Now. And I think um, Patricia's right. It's a really, it's a lot of work if Instagram's kind of your focus to drive clients. But um, one of the most successful strategies I've seen with Instagram that's like the lowest amount of work is um, I have one friend, Hello Cindy, Cindy Song. She's up in Seattle. I kind of taught her how to. She's cute. Yeah, I taught her how to do Instagram videos back in the day, and she's done really well. But she's she's the self. Um, she says she's the laziest Instagrammer ever. All she does is she takes three pictures of each client, and then sends it to the client. And then her clients post them on their Instagrams, and basically it's getting word of mouth advertising from every single to every single one of their clients. You don't have to worry about them going to brunch next week and their friends asking them about their hair. They already posted it on their social media because that's the best picture they have of themselves and of their hair. And she doesn't do any work. She gets her clients to do all the work for her, and they're your exact. I mean, word of mouth advertising has been and always will be the very best way to get clients. Absolutely. Gordon? Um, so I want to talk for an hour, so I'm going to find like 30 seconds. So, <laughs> so this begins with understanding that we're having a conversation about marketing. And when you really have a, a, a good conversation about marketing, you start with goals. You know, so like, what are you trying to achieve? You know, somebody who's coming in new and doesn't have a book has a completely set of different goals and needs than somebody who's trying to fill 10% of, of their book because they're really active. Somebody who's made a decision that their, their clientele should be a strong mix of business people should consider LinkedIn. Somebody who's looking for the 45 plus year old client because they're in a certain lifestyle neighborhood or whatever it might be should be thinking about Facebook and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of all of it, I'll say one thing because again, it could go on and on. One thing I know for sure as someone who really observes what's happening in the industry and really tries to dig in. And when I land in a city, I start looking at Instagram accounts and I start looking at Yelp. I would argue, and I think I can prove it if I spend enough time doing it, 90 to 95% of professionals in this industry do not do any of this well. They suck at it. Yeah. And that's an opportunity for everybody. They suck at it. Um, and, and because they suck at it, I see friends. Um, because they suck at it. Yeah, they, Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca Taylor. Oh, thank you for that. Thank, thank you for that. But, I, but I, two points. One is, you know, I think we need to be more thoughtful and understanding of what our purpose is in being an Instagram, and I think we have to be cautious about understanding what influencers are doing and doing so well, and there's so much in what they do that can translate, but translating big stuff into our day-to-day -day lives is not an easy thing to do. And last thing is that Michael Cole, I think, is one of the best coaches in Facebook right now across the industry, and there's many. Some of them are in this room. Yeah. Daniel Mason-Jones is sitting here as well. I love so many friends here. Um, but what Michael's focused on is find 500 people who can follow you and mine them all day long, and more importantly, get the clients you have 
to be your followers and mind them to get repeat bookings and get your retention up. And don't be thinking about 10,000 followers or 20,000 followers if your real goal is to make a good living behind the chair. And what does he mean by mining them? He means by, by doing what we would do in the old school ways as often as we can, which is being in touch with them. We used to send them handwritten notes. You know, we don't always have the ability, but we should be thinking about that. It's like that client who's in your chair is gold. So what are you doing with social media to, to get them to come back to you more often that amplifies what you're doing in the real world? Um, and how can you, and, and Michael is a huge preacher of what you said, which is to simply, if nothing else, take those photos and do the new version of word of mouth. It's genius, and I, I, I think it's the best recommendation for all of you, especially if you don't have time. I love it. So go, instead of going broad, trying to build your following, which may not fill your book, Go, go more focused. And that is a big marketing trend across the globe as far as like futurists say, where are we going? We've been going wide. We're about to go local. Everything's yeah. going to start coming down. And there's predictions, things like Facebook could break up into subsidiary platforms because they've become so massive. They're not as effective as they could be. Interesting. Okay, speaking of Facebook, let's go to Facebook. There's two things that, that uh, I want to get out on this one. Um, the, the first one, Greg, I want you to speak to, and that is Facebook ads. Because I know that uh, a lot of people, uh, I, I mean, I say a lot of people, but really it's only two or three that I've heard that do a really, really great job with Facebook ads to get clients. Um, so, so speak to Facebook ads, um, and, and particularly um, uh, segmenting you know, the ads to, to find those people who can actually sit in your chair and pay you for a service. Okay, um, there's a lot of levels to that. Like there's, it's not simple. Facebook, um, because they own all the data, doesn't have to make it really easy to run ads. Their ad platform as on the consumer front is pretty horrible. So like it's defined. It's so bad. It's taken me a long time to figure it out. Um, but when you break it down to like basically what you're doing, it's kind of simple. If you can get to the point where you can spend $1 in ads to get $2 of profit, how many times, if, if I had, uh, if you gave me a dollar and I gave you $2 back, how many times would you do that? Until but we in, die. Until, yeah, as many times as you can. And uh, Facebook is just a way to kind of, the reason the Instagram and the Facebook algorithm exist is to make it difficult for businesses to get seen because Facebook wants to get paid. Sure. Yeah. And if you go in and you pay them, and it doesn't have to be a lot, um, you're going to get your content in front of the people you want it to. People right in your area. For a few dollars, you can target people within 20 miles of your salon and have them see your ads and only them. And it doesn't cost very much to do that. And the goal with that is to start a conversation with people. Because uh, this ultimately, we're at, we're at a tech talk summit, but ultimately this is not a technology industry. This is a service based a people business. Mm -hmm. And all you're doing is using technology to um, start talking uh, to other people, to, um, to facilitate that, to start conversations. So if you can use Facebook ads to facilitate conversations with your target market, um, that's what you do. So you could target people who live near you. You could target by age. You could target by occupation. You could target by if they've recently moved. Um, and, and narrow down to those people and say, hey, I'm going to spend, you know, $50 a week or whatever, uh, depending on how many clients you need. If you're booked, then stop spending money on ads. If you're not, if you need clients, spend some hey, more. 
And I think we also talked about you can target people who've had a, a recently had a uh, significant life event or some other things, um, times when people might be looking for a new hairdresser, right? Somebody got a new job. You know, maybe they're getting paid more money and they, they need to amplify their image, et cetera. Yeah. So getting married for the bridal stylist out there? Yeah. Yeah. So I utilize Facebook a little bit different. I tried the ad and it was complicated because I tried to, I did it through my page, which is attached to my personal. And then I realized that I couldn't really come in from my page to professionals and that was a problem. So then I opened my own page as a professional and then now I have too many pages. <laughs> so I'm like, And no. you've lost all the logins. Yes, and then I'm like, I'm going to Instagram. It's so much easier, right? Um, I'm gonna get on that one too. Um, when I say Facebook ads, you run for you run ads to Facebook and Instagram from the same place. So yes, yes, um, I done that and it works. Um, I utilize Facebook as a support system. I I am part of a bunch of groups of hairdressers, um, and I'm and I have them all written down if you guys need them. And when I have a question behind the chair, I immediately put the questions on the groups, and I get answers immediately. And I get like you know 20 hairdressers commenting on everything. The other day was hey, Soshkov 10 minute color. How do you guys like it? Pros and cons. And I got so much response like how to use it, and how long to leave it. So for me. That's huge. Um, I do target a lot of the people from my area, and that's kind of nice. I keep up with what's going on um, in, you know, in my neighborhood. I'm not sure if I'm correct, but when I did try to advertise on Facebook, it also asked me, which area do you want to advertise? What age? That's really nice. I don't remember what gender. What gender. Yeah, so it was very deep. Yeah, um, it was kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, recently moved, uh, how huge is that for a hairdresser, yeah. right? But, but going back to the Facebook groups, I think that's so awesome because I've never heard that. Nobody has ever told me that they spend a lot of time in Facebook groups talking to other hairdressers for unbiased uh, opinions. So can you give us some details? What are the names of those groups? All right, so Olaplex is a group that is very active. I use it a lot, like constantly. So. Uh, is huge, and uh, you know, I sometimes forget which uh, uh, I'm using it for my private or for my professional page, but they're huge. Uh, the next one is we love hair education. Um, love that group. I'm on it all the time. Uh, the color bar. I found them when I went to American Association certified. So it's coming up, which is amazing. We'll talk about that. But I love that show. Um, the hairstylist backboard. That's another one. Um, the hairdresser advice to hairdressers. I mean, I'm involved in five or six groups, and um, I love it. I just feel like now, especially when you are in salon suites uh, or salons, um, that you don't have the hairdresser next to you anymore, and you can no longer have that conversation. Um, there's products coming in all the time, and you have no idea how to use them. And you, you know, I'm not one to use it on my clients first, and kind of figuring it out if it works or not. I like to know about the product prior. Um, so this is a good way um, to learn about it. Laws in California, employees, and uh, if you hire an assistant, if you don't, uh, I go there and I find about that in, in your podcast, obviously. <laughs> you know, I'm listening to it Thank all the you. time. Um, but, you know, it's, it, I don't, we don't have that anymore. If you're, if you're in a suite, you don't, it's really difficult to find that. I'm con I come in, I do my clients, I leave. And, you know, I do take a lot of classes, but it's not the same to be able to talk to hairdressers every day. And there's so many talented educators on Facebook that are talking. So 
I love that. Super cool. Can you mention boosted or promoted posts? Because I think that's the cheat into ads. I mean, if you don't want to go through the complicated ad server and you want to get your information in front of the followers you have, you know, it's an opportunity. And you, for five bucks, you know, you have a better chance because our feeds are just so full. Yeah. Um, they, I have not had very much success with boosted posts. And a lot of people that I know who spend a whole lot more money on Facebook than I do, like millions and millions a month, they say boosted posts are just like flushing your money down the toilet. Um, yeah, so. We, we have a different experience, but respectful yeah. of the opinions, but we, because we spend a fortune on Facebook. Um, but again, Michael Cole, I would just suggest folks look at him because there's different opinions and I'm not necessarily yeah. disagreeing, but we do find that it kind of gets us into feeds. And I'm talking about, again, people who've got 500 followers and you're struggling perhaps to reach them because the competition in the feeds is so heavy, it's for five bucks, you've got a chance with a small audience, not millions of people, to get in front of people. Okay, yeah, and it's, a boosted post is a good way to get in front of your existing audience. That's my point. Okay. And, yes. and uh, existing, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and my, and my only point is your existing audience, for many of you, is your largest potential for growth. Mm -hmm. You know, large add-on sales, filling in appointments, building that rebook time in between, getting them to refer their friends, I mean, depending on how you message. The clients you have are such a huge asset that we often undervalue. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Or even if they're not your client yet, they've already expressed interest enough interest to follow you. That's a whole lot more than a random stranger on the internet. Yep. Even if it's not a lot, it's a lot That's more a, than nothing. That's a good point. So maybe it could increase the frequency of visit, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, the software platforms out there for running and managing your uh, social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook. So later.com, I think they're probably the big one. Um, do you guys use any of those, Gordon? Does anybody use any of those? We're all about organic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but if you if you're like Milady, you don't want if you don't have the time on a daily basis. If you maybe can, uh, let's say, take two hours on a Sunday and uh, schedule out your posts for that week using a, a, a platform like Later.com is a pretty good thing. Now we've used it. We've tried it. Uh, we're still using it. We've We've used it for some accounts and not for other accounts, and then we used it for all accounts, and then we used it for none accounts. So trying to determine whether, is it, whether there's a difference, we haven't been able to figure out if there's, that there is a difference. So, so we um, are now using it more and more and more to schedule out our posts. Um, it's very inexpensive and, and like it a lot. Have you ever used any of those? No, I don't. Um, I'm a little nervous about like giving anyone a login to my account even. So I'm, I'm very careful about stuff like that. So everything I do, I do on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and also like, let's just say I'll, I'll put a post out there and it's doing really well, like better than some of, I'll, I'll keep that post up for a while and I won't want another post to go on and kind of bump that engagement. Right. So um, I kind of watch and monitor my page myself and I feel like if I had anything scheduled, it would just, Right. Mess with what I have going on. But again, everybody's different. And a lot of times, I mean, that might be helpful if you're busy and maybe you forget to post and you have all this good content lined up. So, I mean, it just it really just depends on where you're at with your page. What do you do, Greg? Um, I'm the same with Patricia. I don't give my passwords to anybody. I'm super paranoid about that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and up until really recently, Facebook's privacy controls were horrible. Like. The security, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think that 
the biggest thing is like monitoring it, like knowing, like kind of having feeling the ebb and flow of your page. But it, it comes back to um, what Gordon said about what's the purpose of your Instagram. Yeah. And for some people, it's to engage and have a community and get out there and have everybody talk to each other. For other people, it's their lookbook. And there's, no, there's not a right answer and a wrong answer. And if it's just your lookbook, use later. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's your portfolio. If it's your, um, if it's your whole business, if Instagram is your business, then I would don't. You have to pay a lot of attention you have to, pay to a it. Lot, yeah. and, and later can make you lazy. Yeah. And let me, I want to add a comment about the lookbook, which I just think is brilliant. You know, And if you are not someone who's going to actively use Instagram, you can't get to it, the schedule's a problem, then take the time to put 24 photos in an Instagram account that is your perfect lookbook and come back and do something when you want. Because today what clients are doing, if they're thinking about going to the salon for the first time, you're going to your Instagram page. If it looks brilliant, it doesn't matter if you didn't post in the last six months. They're going to make a decision in that moment about the kind of work that you offer, and they're going to make a phone call. If that's your minimal effort on Instagram, it can be very powerful for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And then um, speaking to that, I mean, like you said, where I've, people can get lazy. I think it's important, too, if you are building your portfolio, that if you have 24 posts that you love, but maybe they're there's like one picture that gets so much attention and that's what grows your page. You want to continue to organically feed your page with that kind of work and especially... Or repost. Or repost. How or, often do you repost? I don't repost Ooh. very often. Um, you know, I had challenged myself. So, <laughs> and I'm in, the, I'm in the studio a lot, so that allows me to create new content all the time. Um, I repost if I go in and cut some clips out. Like say I'll do I'll have a um, a video that did very well maybe it was a longer form I'll go in and shorten it up and then repost that so things like that but I always do have to put some sort of effort into my reposts but as far as pictures I don't do it very often. Can I add though that keep in mind that whatever you post ten percent of those that are following you're going to see it yeah that's the bottom that's, line that's the so rank. reposting can be for some people who aren't again that active a great strategy for because sure. the odds of the same people seeing it are very low yeah. and again you're throwing something into the feed yeah. right that's true. Yeah, very important point. and if it's been three months since you posted it and you post a lot yes. there's almost a zero percent chance anybody remembers that post yeah. because you're just not that important to them like but your your hair posts aren't <laughs> <laughs> no it's so true but yet everybody says why would i do that they, they've already seen that post no they haven't no. all right so okay hold, uh, we need to move on so okay yelp since you have the microphone in your hand, because I, I, I want to get to Yelp. It's such a big one. Um, so let's hear it. You do great on Yelp. You fill your books with Yelp. You've been doing it a long time. How do you do that? Okay, seven years ago, I came back into the, uh, the hair industry, and uh, I did not have many clients. I moved to a new city, and I had kids, you know, you stop for a while, and then you continue again, blah, blah, blah. And I came across, you know, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to use Yelp and I start, you know, talking to my clients. And I did it very organically, like all of you did, right? I'm very strict how I talk to my clients about their consultation. I talk to them on the phone, and I do a free consultation prior to their appointment. And that alone is my big success on Yelp. You have to, you have to know which client you want to do and which client you don't want to do. Don't be afraid of that. You do not have to do everybody's hair. So that is the biggest thing. You have to know that. Even on the phone, I already know after like two minutes, uh, I don't want to do this client. It's scary. 
I know this is not gonna work out. Anyway, so the first thing, uh, we all know this, um, you have a client open up a page for you. I think that you know you have the two choices. You can do it yourself or have a client. So the client does it, you claim the page. So that's the first thing. Um, that's better than you doing it yourself? I, I believe so. I think that Yelp takes you a little bit more serious. That's how I did it. One of my clients said, hey, you don't have a Yelp account. What's going on? Let me just do it for you. I'm like, OK, great. And that's still my client, by the way. She always throws it out there. Hey, that was me. You know. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing you do. Um, you know, Just like Instagram, um, as soon as you claim it, make sure that you put all your pictures up. You gotta have good pictures if you're gonna put them up yourself. Um, and then, uh, tip number one. Do you update the pictures? Oh, yeah, all the time. Instagram, like Yelp, do? the same time. Oh, Instagram, really? Yelp, Instagram, Yelp, the okay. same pictures. So a lot of the time, my Yelp, page, my Yelp pictures look better than Instagram pictures. So, yeah, all the time. So you go through, open up a page, you, um, you update your pictures. Tip number one, please, please do not put the accurate hours of your business on Yelp. Okay, let me, let me tell you why. I did that. I did that. Um, I allow myself Mondays on Yelp. I'm open. Why? Because I want people to call me at home and make appointments for the rest of the week. I don't put close. I put open because I'm answering my phone on my day off. Right, that day I need to fill the next couple of weeks. I am a, again. I have a studio. I don't have a big salon, so I have to do these things. Right, the most big salons will have to do. So that was my big tip for the hours. Um, just make sure you have everything clear um, in your page and who you are as a bio. Do you want me to go through all that? Oh, continue talking. Y yeah, I mean okay. th things like do you respond to your reviews? Do you, okay. do you respond to negative reviews? Okay, so. Positive reviews, great. Negative reviews are there. Yes, professional, please. No matter how mad they make you, please, professional. Uh, you are a professional. Everything that is responded, respond with uh, class, professionalism. Those clients, there's clients that have been to, uh, come with me the first time and say, you know what? I read your reviews, even the bad ones, but the way you responded, I feel comfortable coming to you because I know that person was not right what they were saying. So I have. Five star right now, thank you. And I, I have 165, uh, you know, reviews. I am the single stylist in my, I don't know how I am now, but I was uh, the highest. And I work really, really hard to keep that reputation. I'm gonna go over the bad and the good. A lot of stylists are scared because Yelp can kill your business. It can. It's a small business. One bad review, can get you, right? That's what we all fear. I'm like, we have this bad reviews, nobody's gonna find us anymore. Yelp does not take the bad reviews away. I tried, I tried, they're gonna leave it there. Um, also, tip number two, if you text your clients, be careful, because they can take a picture of that text and put it in Yelp. That happened to me. I thought that was illegal, because that was my per, you know, personal stuff from my yeah. phone, and they said, no, it's legal, sorry, we can't take it down. So just make sure that when you text someone, it's very, very professional, and that maybe you don't have to text them back in writing. Maybe you call them and talk to them. Very interesting. Okay. Um, to pay or not to pay? Okay. Um, between when, three... When, when they call you every 15 minutes on the phone, what do you say? Okay. So... Um, I put this on um, one of the websites on Facebook, and a lot of people were like, don't pay, you know, ignore their calls. You can't ignore Yelp. It's like the biggest industry to find a small business in your area. If you're ignoring them, uh, you're losing money. 
like a lot of money. I get sometimes I used to call three to five people from Yelp calling me to get the hair done, more than Instagram. So you really have to like, you know, come together with that. If you need to make the income, if you don't if you're not full behind the chair, you need to pay. Do it for one month. You lose, it's between three to $500, it is a lot of money. But if it's gonna bring you double that for the next three months, why not? That, that, I have not done it. Let me tell you what I do pay for. I pay for my pictures, my pictures to be organized how I want it. Yes, so I pay $25 a month, I believe, I'm not sure if it's up more, but um, $25 a month and I pay how I want my pictures to be seen. That's important because sometimes they will pick up pictures of clients that posted and sometimes they're not that cute, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, no, and that's the first one they see. So when I do change pictures and it's a really good picture, I know what people are looking for. I'm like, this month I'm, I want to do more brunettes. I put those up and I get those clients to come in. So it does uh, help a lot to pay sometimes, um, but it just, I never done it so far, but if I have to do it, um, if I have my assistant going on the floor, I might do it, so make sure that I build her. Um, so it's something that, you know, to think about it. Um, so yeah, pay if you need to, don't pay if you don't, but I do like to pay per month to organize my pictures. Yeah. Cool, thank you. Gordon, do you have any, uh, like two minutes worth of comments? Yeah, um, I'll keep it shorter though. Um, so review platforms, I would argue, are more important than social platforms, period, end of story, because we all Google. And we, Google takes us to Yelp, Google takes us to Google reviews, we have Facebook reviews, we should be active on all of them, and to me, it comes before social. It's the most important thing. How many of us go anywhere and do anything for the first time without looking for reviews? I don't stay in a hotel, I don't take an airline trip, I don't, I don't do, go to a restaurant, my mother's 84 years old, she's on Yelp all the time, Yelp and Google reviews matter, figure it out, Cool. And a lot of reviews matter. It's social proof. Yep. If a lot of people say something good, it's probably good. Cool. If two people say it's good, it could be their friends and family. Yep. But if it's 168, there's no way they have that many friends and family doing And respond that. like you do in the real world. You guys are good at this. Someone complains in your salon, you oh, have a way of dealing with them, usually in a public setting, there's other clients around. All you have to do is take that expertise that you have and apply it to how you respond to people online. Okay, so moving on, payment processing. I'm gonna work pretty quickly through this, but you know this is a big one these days and there's a lot of platforms out there. It's pretty much a commodity. Everybody's got their prices, but it's, it seems to be, uh, actually Square is, has gone up recently, but a lot of them have been going down. A lot of people are using Venmo. Uh, the reality with Venmo is that, or, or any other peer-to-peer -peer transaction uh, platform, it's free for users who use a debit card or a bank account. If you pay with a credit card, though, it's a 3% fee. Um, however, if you're a business and they know you're a business, they're going to want to charge you 2.9% of the transaction plus 30 cents. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a popular thing to do, but it's not 100% legit to, to uh, check out all of your clients using Venmo. And I, I've heard some little whispers of them uh, cracking down on that uh, coming up here soon. Um, okay, now we get to kind of a bigger topic, and I want to spend the, just about the rest of our time on it because we have three panelists who are very good at it, and that's online education. Okay, so why don't we start with uh, Patricia, and let's talk about yours. I, actually, you know, I, I mean, I, I want to I speak maybe broadly about online education. It's, it's obviously something that is, is gaining speed. There's more platforms out there. The quality is increasing. And, and we have three people who have their own platforms here. So, so speak to yours. 
So um, education's been huge for me, as you guys know. That's what you guys see me on Instagram. That's what I do. Um, and being a mom myself and just really wanting to reach more people than could attend my classes, I decided that going online was going to be the best for me and my business. So we did that. And um, I think it's great because from there, like I said, being able to reach more people, I'm able to educate them in the curriculum that I've created. And so um, that's valuable and great. And, and I encourage everybody, if you are doing in-person classes, to maybe consider going online and doing it that way. So that way, you know, if somebody is in Switzerland or Sweden or wherever they are, they can see you and, and learn from you. Because one thing, um, that somebody had mentioned was, aren't you scared of the competition? And Gordon and I had a brief discussion about that, and I say, I don't really look, I'm not a competitive, na I, don't, I do not have a competitive personality, that's just, I'm just not that person. Um, it was funny, because my mom even had me in soccer, and I'd be like, well, she wants the ball, she can have it. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I was just not, I'm, that's not who I am, and so um, I think, the great way to think about it is that you have what you have to offer and nobody else can offer that. So why not have more people and a ton of people out there giving them, you know, giving other people their best when it comes to education? So I don't know, I think it's great. So there's lots of different ways to do online education. Yeah. So what, tell us about the way that you've chosen. Like how do you charge? You know, is it subscription? What are the videos like? So what I did was I said, hey, for one in-person class, that's what I'm charged for my year subscription. And the way that I structure my classes is I do them live. So I do one live class a week. And it's not just hair. It's business, social media. It's, it's product. It's whatever I think of and whatever I think is relevant, what they're asking for, then that's what I deliver for them once a week. So yeah, it's been great. Oh, yeah, you have microphone already. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> Greg. Uh, yeah, so uh, we are start we've been working the last about year or so working with independent educators, helping them put their classes online. It's kind of a difficult process. I'm sure that Patricia can speak to that. There's a lot that goes into it. And uh, so that's what we do. We help independent educators put their classes online because um, I think there's, there's two things about it. It also it breaks down the, the time barriers and the money barriers because they can watch it anywhere, anytime. Yeah but it also allows them to save those education dollars and take more in-depth classes. Because I believe that a look and learn class um, can be done just as well online as it can be done in person. And that allows you to take a lot more classes from a lot more artists and figure out, you know what, I love Patricia's work, I'm gonna go and take her you know, three-day seminar that costs $3,000 or whatever. Because uh, then you can go in really, really in-depth with the people who you really, really love. And that's our view. And so we've created an online platform. It's called styleartist.com. Um, um, we're launching a new, a new uh, portion of it uh, March 1st. And, um, but yeah, so we're just trying to kind of the same problems that, that other people see is that the education costs too much and it doesn't deliver the value that it needs to. And we're focusing a lot on business and um, working with hairstylists uh, who want to put their education out there. So it's kind of a platform more than um, an individual effort, so. Gordon. So, I think the important part of the conversation is that, you know, education is transformative for most of us in our lives if we really, you know, 
participate in it. Every study I've ever seen in the industry and, I, and the work I do, I get to see things that most people don't and a lot of brands, especially big brands, do a lot of, do a lot of research and it doesn't get published because it's important information for them. Probably 85% of the industry does not get educated on an annual basis. They go to no education. They take no classes. You know, so you said 85% of the industry just participates in no education. And if you go to the big beauty shows, there'll be 20,000 people who come through this show. Everybody gets counted for as many times as we come in. So for here for two days, that's 40,000. But the reality is, you know, in a state with, uh, in a region with hundreds of thousands of professionals working, it's a very small number. And you just add it all up. Very few people participate. The amazing opportunity for all of us in life is the stuff that's living online. Um, my dog is um, is my child, and my dog lives. A, uh, I live a better life with my dog because of all the things I've learned on YouTube. It's amazing how much stuff is online. TED Talks, um, online education for hairdressers. I think the big job we all have is inspiring people to go online and learn something. I try to do it every single day. It's a habit, and we are an industry that is not filled with the habit of learning something every day or even on a regular basis. So, uh, Patricia and I were talking. My point is, I said, the more of us who offer online education, the more people who experience it, the more people who experience it, the more people who participate in it. The point, the reason that people don't experience what we're all here to do is they've never tried it. Mm -hmm. They've never been to a beauty show. When the influence thing all started happening four or five years ago, I remember talking to Lynn Fan, you know, who I adore, who's a great educator, and who was going on the B3 stage for the first time, and I was interviewing him. And I was like, oh my God, how's it feel to be on that stage? He's like, I don't know, I'm about to go on for the first time. I've never been to a beauty show before. He had never been to a beauty show before. A lot of the people who are in the influencer space have told me they had never been to beauty shows before. They just didn't have a reason to be here. So I just think there's another conversation that has to happen in the industry, and we all together need to inspire people to take advantage of every educational opportunity. And if you're in a place or in life or in geography or in the world where you can't, we all just need to be encouraging everybody to participate. There's, we can change lives, yeah. and that's what we're trying to do at Harebrained. We so believe in a hands-on workshop, we don't think there is a hands-on workshop that's overpriced. We think that just too many people in the industry can't afford to go get the value that they deserve because they've just not created a life for themselves yet. So there's just so much power in it. We're committed to, through Harebrained to doing online education as a gateway drug to real education in person. Yeah. Because we believe once you've seen it and done it and have access to it and all the great stuff that these folks and more are doing, you'll just want to come do it in real time. Mm -hmm. So much more complicated conversation, but yeah. love what's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys have chosen to do an a la carte thing with your classes. Is that right? Yeah. Ours are all a la carte. The moment we scale at a certain level, you know, we will probably go subscription. We're also offering bundled offers now. We offer huge discounts if you buy, you know, 15 courses or three courses. So, but we're looking to scale before we get to more of a subscription program or something else. But again, for us, it's all about putting stuff in front of people so they can experience it when they want to with the hope that they'll go get the real thing. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so we're technically out of time, but we, can we go in a few more minutes? We, this room is available till tomorrow morning. Oh. <laughs> well, let's lock the let's door. Bring, let's bring in some pizza. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a couple uh, quick things that I want to mention that uh, have, have come around and become so easy that they're, that they're very valuable, and that is online graphic design and branding resources, things like Canva, Upwork, Fiverr, 99designs, uh, 
company called Squad Help, CrowdSpring, you know, these things where you can say, I want, you know, I'm an independent hairdresser, I want a, a logo, I'm going to essentially commission a contest, you know, it costs maybe 150 bucks or whatever, and you have people from all over the world who want to design a logo according to the criteria that, that you give them, and then you grant a winner, and it's, it costs you virtually nothing. Um, Greg, you've had experience with this, right? Yeah, I use um, outsourcing stuff like Upwork and Fiverr all the time. I've never done the contest. I should. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm too I much of a great. I'm too oh, much yeah. of a control freak. I need to let go. I, I'm like, I want it to look like this, and then you just make it happen. Well, you can, I, I mean, <laughs> but, they start submitting things in these contests, yeah. and then you f give feedback. You're like, it's a little too round. It's a little mm. not, uh, you know, enough of this. A little bit, and then they change it. It's really amazing. Yep. Yeah, um, but it's incredibly inexpensive to get a logo made. If you're, you don't have to wait for like your friend who kind of did graphic design in college to make you a crummy logo. Like you can spend fifty bucks and get an amazing logo from somebody on Fiverr or Upwork. It's really inexpensive. It doesn't cost a lot to look like a million bucks anymore. And with that, it becomes the expectation that everybody is going to look like a million bucks. And if you don't do it, it's basically an arms race. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Gordon, you want to speak to your experience with it? Just a great experience. And I think, you know, for all the reasons that have been said. And another thing to keep in mind with all this stuff is that as the price is racing to the bottle, bottom, we're disrupting the graphic design industry. Let's not be shocked if, if we get disrupted. And that's what's happening online. I mean, you know, so we did a contest, um, and where, where are all these really inexpensive designers coming from? India, the Philippines, um, all, all over the world, mostly third world countries, where really talented designers are, but we, are, we happen to be simultaneously taking away money from American designers. And that industry is being disrupted yeah, and again, don't be surprised that there's disruption coming our way, because it is. Absolutely. Have, have you ever used any of this? I, I have not. Um, I have all my graphic team in-house, in which oh, would be you're, you're my, pro. Hus my husband and his brother. Oh, yes, the husband <laughs> is the best one. Yeah, that's great. All right, uh, to wrap up, just a, some new salon technology to consider. There are some new career and networking apps, kind of a LinkedIn for our industry that are trying to get scale. One's called Canvas Recruit, another's called Tradies. There might be more. I apologize if I miss anybody. Um, there's a couple interactive mirrors for the salons. It seems like there's... Those are coming big. Yes. Those, those are the biggest new tech... Those are going to be huge. Right. Mark my word, they're coming. Are they the ones where you sit there and then the, it helps you decide what look yes. your client should have? Right. Cool. By the way, everybody get the Warby Parker glasses app. I mean, because you'll see what's going to come to us because they've done it, and you now can try on any any eyeglasses on your phone with the app, and it's an amazing experience. Yep. And again, it's coming our way. Augmented reality is what it's using. Uh, one is called Peak, P-I-I-Q. Uh, That's an Australian company. And then Wella developed one recently that they actually uh, launched at the Consumer Electronics Show. They developed it with a company called Care OS. Um, and and uh, they're pretty remarkable, so I definitely encourage you to check them out. Um, will they be a novelty? Time is going to tell. You know, I, I've had a few conversations. They're very expensive, of course. And does it make sense for, you know, even a high-end salon to drop, you know, $80,000 on, on having a bunch of them? I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe put one, you know, in the corner and, and hairdressers use it as needed. But uh, that's pretty interesting. Or Salon Republic can have one in each of their locations. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. She's when spending the, my money. Yeah. And the, the, cost, the cost is coming down really fast. Sure. Peak, peak, I've seen peak in New York salons already. Peak's in a whole bunch of Australian salons. Um, it's a subscription program. It's a couple hundred bucks a month per mirror. But watch those costs come down. L'Oreal's looking at it. Cody, mm -hmm. is, as you mentioned, is doing it. Um, that stuff is like two years from being affordable for everybody. Yeah, mark my words. Remarkable, and then and then the one thing I'm that I'll, I'll wrap up with, um, and then maybe we can go to some questions if anybody has any, and that is the the El Dorado of our industry, which is to match clients with hairdressers. And in my 20 years in this business, I maybe have had a thousand people reach out to me telling them that their platform is going to be the one. Um, there's one out there called Meet Your Stylist. There's another called Evemi, and they're trying to get scale right now. Nobody's been able to do it, but who knows? One day, somebody might be able to do it. It starts with demand. Are, are right. people having trouble finding stylists? I would argue no. Arguably, there's more than enough stylists out there. Yeah. I, you know, I still hear from the consumer that it's, it's an annoying process, though, and that's what people are trying to solve for. Yelp is trying to solve it. <laughs> yeah, they're all trying to solve for it. Do we have any questions? Anybody have any questions for anyone pertaining to any technology? Okay, they all just want to go. So thank you. Thank you, Oliver. Oh, you have one. Okay. My only question, and thank you guys so much for your information. I am like, you know, just blowing up my notes over here. Can you just go over your Instagram handles and names like slowly one more time for the noobs that don't, aren't already Ours? following you? Are you talking about me? All, yes, okay, yeah. everybody included. Cause I'm like, here, you gotta hold the mic so I can type. <laughs> okay, I'm Patricia. Um, Painted Hair is my Instagram handle. Um, I've got three uh, style artists, hair.videos and hair.video. I'm not very creative. <laughs> he, he was but on he's Instagram, real, but he's early. really good at Instagram. <laughs> and a couple years ago, I was like, what am I doing putting my own name on my Instagram? I can't even spell it. It's very complicated, but it's colored by my lady, and that's M-I-L-E-Y-D-Y. I might change the name soon, but <laughs> M-I-L-E-Y-D-Y. So, yeah. Hairbrained underscore official, first and foremost. Hairbrained with an ED on the end, underscore official. I'm Gordon M G O R D N M. And if you look, G, G O R D N as in Nancy, which I sometimes call myself, um, <laughs> followed, 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 followed by M. So, Gordon M, my last name is Miller. And of course, if you love Eric Taylor, make sure you follow at love Eric Taylor. Thank you. And Salon Republic. And the Hair Game Podcast. Thank you. I was actually not even going to say that. I... <laughs> hey guys, hope you liked that episode. I could literally continue on with this discussion about technology for the salon industry for hours. It's always really hard for me to cram it into the limited time that we always have during these panels, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. I would be super appreciative if you would screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories because word of mouth is everything to us just like it is for you as a beauty professional. Next week's Podloop will be a Babyless Pro Nano Titanium 
I almost didn't get the word titanium out of my mouth. Nanotitanium plated ionic straightening iron. That's right. A babyless pro nanotitanium plated ionic straightening iron. For a chance to win it, write a review on the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher.com for you droid users out there. The review has to include your exact Instagram handle so I know who you are. Make sure you're following the Hair Game Podcast and Love Eric Taylor on Instagram, and then I put your name in my bag. Each week, I pull a name and I announce the winner at the beginning of every episode. You have to be listening to win, so you can DM me your mailing address. If you don't win, keep listening because your name stays in my bag in my office. You can win any week on any episode. For complete details, go to salonrepublic.com. Next week's episode will be with Nina Kovner of Passion Squared. Until then, have a great week. Bye.